Hey, welcome back, Underground. Um, I wish you could. I wish you could see what's happening right now. Actually, I don't normally do. We don't normally do kind of these Zoom recordings, but I'm in my garage, and Corey's not here. And today, I get the privilege of interviewing Daryl Answer. Uh, Daryl and Stephanie lead one of our hubs in the city. It's called New Community. They're on the east side of Kansas City. Uh, they do all kinds of incredible stuff. And Daryl, I don't think we've had you on the podcast before, have we? Or maybe once? It was once, yeah. Stephanie and I shared our story. I don't remember when it was, but we we did it once, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We should have you on so much more. Anyway, Daryl is brilliant. And, of course, we have the accent, so it all also <laughs> makes it sound way smarter anyway. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to record a few episodes today that we're going to release um, in like a short series because uh, Daryl and Stephanie, their community, they have developed and worked through what they call the four P's of spiritual family. And this is one of those things that's like, could be taught in maybe five minutes. I can give you four words, tell you what they are, hit them, highlights, whatever. But also you could go deep into them and they can become rhythms for a life. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to take some time just to um, break these apart and kind of dig down into each of them. And what we hope is that uh, as you hear these, that you'll think about how they apply and are contextualized into your own life um so again it's four episodes on the four p's of spiritual families these are practices this is the way daryl described it and you'll you'll feel this these are practices to help us be more intentional in our incarnational practice so i talked too long daryl why don't you give us like what's your overview anything you want to set us up with like in general, over all four of these, how you develop them, anything like that. And then we'll we'll take the last part of this first episode just to get into the first P. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you for the invitation. Um, yeah, I have nothing but love for the underground family. Um, so just thank you so much. Um, I, yes, I do have the accent, but I'm also recovering from a sinus infection. So there's also that. <laughs> If you're picking up on that nasally sound, that's what that is. Um, so uh, that's been going through my household. Um, but yeah, just in summary, uh, what these four Ps are and kind of where they came from. Um, so this isn't a replacement of any of the other tools that Casey Underground has done the work to put together. I feel like this is in addition to, and it's just something that coming out of the pandemic, um, I really feel like the Lord gave it to me to be able to share with our people in our specific context. So um, like every other tool that we have, they all begin with prayer, right? So the first the first P is prayer. Um, and the each one of them kind of came with a question. Um, so prayer, um, that question is, what is God saying to you? All right. Um, so deeply rooted in prayer, that relationship, communion with God. What's God saying to you? Uh, the second P is purpose. Um, what has God given you? Um, so this really gets at um, every single person uh, as an image bearer um, has been given gifts. This is not only the, you know, those of us who are in the missional uh, conversation, in the missional um, 
you know, in that work um, and understand, you know, folks like Alan Hirsch and other others who have really helped us understand the fivefold or the APEST. And this is in addition to that. So this is not only um, whether you are apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding or teaching, but this is also um, just different gifts that you have. Um, one of my mentors once told me that um, sometimes our purpose also comes out of our pain. Um, so um, that's what purpose is. What has God given you? Um, the third is place. Where has God placed you? Um, this is taking where we live, work and play intentionally, taking it seriously, that God is at work in that place. Um, not necessarily that God begins to work when we show up, um, but that God is active in that place. Um, so how do we, through prayer, through understanding our own purpose, um, together discern how God is at work in that place? And then the fourth is people. Who will go with you? Um, so this isn't about us being in isolation, us trying to be that um, that that cliche saying Lone Ranger Christian. Um, but this is us um, following the Spirit's leading um, in community. Um, so in the last last year at new as new community, we made a shift um, to move from being one bigger spiritual family, even though our our Vision has always been to see micro expressions of the church around the east side. Um, for various reasons, we weren't able to get to that point, but the pandemic was an opportunity for us to finally move in that direction. So after the pandemic, we made the shift from being one large spiritual family to being a network of about six spiritual families right now in um, Kansas City Metro. And then I've also walked through these principles and shared missionary path through and other tools um, with other groups around the country. So um, so yeah, I'd say that's a brief synopsis of the four Ps. Can you maybe just for a couple minutes go a little more specific? I mean, you just said you're on the east side of Kansas City, um, but like a minute ago you said that this really came out of the pandemic in our specific context. Can you kind of like give a little bit more of how important your specific context is to you, what you see, why you see it the way you do all that kind yeah, of stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, for those who may be listening in and aren't, aren't familiar with Kansas City, uh, when people say the east side of Kansas City, Missouri um, what we're referring to or what, for the most part, what they're referring to is um, part of Kansas City, Missouri, that is mostly African-American. Um, so uh, we have historically, um, I mean, Kansas City is a very racially and economically segregated place, um, intentionally done through housing covenants, even by the way uh, highways are, are set up. Um, different communities have been built over time. Um, J.C. Nichols, a developer, was instrumental in that. Um, and that has continued, unfortunately. Um, so the east side, um, I live east of 71 Highway, but I would say, and many would say, east of Troost um, is what is considered the east side, even though that line is kind of crumbling and we're kind of seeing it like east of Prospect. Um, so yeah, typically uh, lower income, um, also can, can be considered the urban core of Kansas City, Missouri. So um, it's where you've seen a lot of marginalization, a lot of um, um, concentrated poverty um, or crime in those areas, um, but also um, very resilient, rich history. 
Um, and so um, all of those things um, are what make up and more what make up the east side of Kansas City, Missouri. And my wife and I have lived uh, in this community for, uh, we've lived together as a married couple for 10 years. Um, I lived uh, in this neighborhood before we got married. And then Stephanie has done work in the urban core, ministry work for the last 20 years. Yeah, man, thank you for that. So let's, uh, yeah, let's jump in. Um, you know what, let me, maybe actually I want to do one more question first. Because uh, I think this might be helpful for many people outside of our city. Like some people, maybe if they're really paying attention, go four P's of spiritual family. I wonder why they didn't say four P's of microchurch, because you guys talk a lot about microchurch. So um, when we were kind of walking together early on, as you said, like you guys, new community is already a community doing life doing work in the east side and then we began this conversation of hey what does a like more formal partnership look like what does it mean for us to be together john 17 unity working towards that in the city uh and one of the conversations we had earlier was like hey we're we're not using that word microchurch <laughs> yeah. we're not we're not using that word missionary either yeah. um is that a is that I, I don't know that you'd have said, is that a deal breaker? But essentially you're saying like, if we're going to be family together, we're not using all the same language. How does that make you feel? Um, yeah. What, what, like your perspective, share a little bit about like why it was important to shift that language for that context. Yeah. I think one of the, I mean, language is so powerful. And so the word missionary <clears throat> I mean, even as we look at church history, obviously beautiful things came, right? I, I myself am the beneficiary of missionaries who came from the States to London and started a church among first-generation immigrants. That's my story, my faith story. So I have benefited from missionaries. But also when you look through church history, you also see colonization, you see the church kind of being a vehicle for white supremacy and genocide. Like you see all of these horrible things done, you know, under the banner of Christ in the church, um, the institutional church. So that the word missionary came with so much baggage um, that we thought, you know what, we've never used that language. We've talked about disciples and disciple makers. Um, so our people just get that. Like, yeah, disciples, disciple makers, um, disciple maker, like there's work still to be done there. But disciples, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's with with missionary. We've kind of stayed away from that just because of the baggage, even though there can also be conversation around like, well, why don't we redeem that and bring it? You know, God is a missionary God. And like, absolutely. God is a missionary God. Um, but there's still so much baggage. And my many of my people, especially the young folks that we work with or at least like worked with now, some of them are a part of our leadership team. Um, they would talk about the missionaries that would come from the suburbs to the city and how the, the, the just the way that they would be approached, the way that they would talk to. I remember even being told by a professor, evangelism professor, that um, <clears throat> his question to me is, can anything, is there any hope for those people? 
right? And he's the missions guy, <laughs> you know. So it's like, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna claim that, you know. So there's that's the missionary piece, micro church piece. We actually tried it. We tried it. So as we were walking through this, we had um worship community mission, micro church, you know, we had the we had the the graphic and we were sitting around and it was right as we had got through the panic and we uh, through the pandemic, not panic, through the pandemic, and we um but gathered with our team and we we're just talking about what the Lord had done during the pandemic. And one of our folks was like, well, <clears throat> it was hard. Like it was hard for all of us. But um, one of our, our leaders was like, like, we became a stronger family. Like, yeah. Yeah, we did. Like we saw that, like we really became family. And so in that same conversation, they were like, I don't like this micro church. I don't know what this is. So they like literally crossed it out. <laughs> And they were like, can we just call ourselves a family? Like, can these just be family? Well, how about spiritual families? We still have to distinguish between bio family and spirit, you know, the church body. So that's how we arrived at that. It was actually one of my neighbors. He lives a block away from me. Um, when I met him, he had nothing, didn't want to have anything to do with church. Eventually he was like, well, you know, his wife's side come in. He would stand in the parking lot and smoke <laughs> when we met at school. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And eventually he was like, oh, this is this is a place for guys like me. I'm like, yeah. <clears throat> now he leads a spiritual family with his wife in their home. Um, but yeah, he is not down with the micro church lingo. But he was like, yeah, spiritual family, absolutely. <laughs> so that's how we got there. And that's part of listening to the community. You know yeah, I was gonna say we'll probably get more to this at some point in these episodes, but I wanted to I mean, honestly, that whole conversation could be an episode by itself. Um, how important language is, how important it is to contextualize it. And, you know, I remember that conversation and I, you know, I'm not, I, I love the conversation because for me, it's like, well, maybe we should question the words. Mm. And we did, you know, we were like, yeah. maybe we should try to emphasize the disciple maker language more and slowly move toward that word. Uh, when we talk about micro churches, we always give that definition of it's an extended spiritual family. So it's like, yeah, I think we're saying the same thing. So exact same. Like thing. we should celebrate that it works, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, and for someone who is anti-church lingo, to say no, actually, I actually like the spiritual family. Like I can run with that, and yeah. I can invite my neighbors to that. Yeah, micro yeah. church. That sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's jump in, man. The four P's of spiritual family. Um, we're going to just spend the rest of this episode on the conversation around prayer uh, and the question of what is God saying to you? And then we'll do the next three episodes around purpose, place and people. So I hope the uh, yeah, if you're tuning into this, uh, you're you're taking some notes, you're beginning to think, what would this mean for me? I love how you started too. You're like, yeah, pretty much everything we do begins with prayer. So <laughs> that was an easy one. You just took off the B of begin and went straight for the P of prayer. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, I have a friend that's always frustrated with the bless rhythms. He's like, it's not, it's not, it should be plus because you just want to say prayer, not the begin part. You <laughs> so anyway, yeah. all right, let's um, go, man. Prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate that. So prayer is exactly what you said. Like it's not, 
um, a prayer is like. I, I was talking to my spiritual director recently, and if you've ever done spiritual direction, this is it's new for me. Um, I'm so grateful for it because we had this moment where I was being still, and the Lord, I just had this vision, <clears throat> and in the vision, it was me walking through like this brush. And then I eventually came to this river, this flowing river. <clears throat> and I felt like the Lord was showing me the brush was all of the work that I do, all of the, and it's all good work, all the conversations, all the spaces I'm in, and having to push through all of that to get to this river that feeds everything. And prayer is that river, it's that stream. And so I feel like prayer is this, um, is this activity this intentional activity to go to this place that feeds every other thing that we do within the context of our spiritual families. Um, we can get distracted by the good things, though, the lush grass, the, the, the vegetation, all the things that surround the stream can distract us because it's beautiful. Um, but at the end of the day, what fuels it, what feeds it, what refreshes us, what gives us clarity and life is the stream, right? This water that flows. So what I tell our people is prayer is essential, right? Um, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in busy activities, which are good things, um, but we have to pray. And Stephanie, my wife, she's so good at this. And, and usually there's a crisis in the community that brings us back to the prayer. So not only do we encourage our people to pray, you know, we, we don't really talk about quiet times, but I, I think we know what that means. So not only do we talk about your alone time with the Lord <clears throat> and the Lord speaks when we're still and we're quiet. And, um, you know, for me, it's sitting and having that cup of coffee in the morning when my kids aren't screaming. And, you know, it's like I've just got a moment, me and the Lord. But then there's also those moments where a crisis hits in the community. So for a number of years ago, we had, um, it was a big story. Um, unfortunately, two kids were, were killed in a home. Someone had shot a house up and these two kids, unfortunately, got hit and they both died. Um, they were nephews uh, and it was just, it was, um, or they were cousins, I'm sorry. And it was a tragic story. One of them got hit, went and found his cousin, and they died together in the same bed. Um, <clears throat> so tragic story. And one night, Stephanie's like, okay, so what, what's our response? And I was like, I don't know. Um, like, pray. <laughs> that's, the only, I'm like, that's the only thing. And it sounds cliche, but what that looked like for us was at the time our kids were babies, we just put the call out to our friends in the neighborhood and was like, hey, let's meet. And let's just go over there and just walk and pray and see if we can connect with anyone. Um, so prayer is not only me and God, but prayer is also us going to those points of pain in our community and meeting God there. Because God's there. Like what happened to those boys broke the Lord's heart. So the Lord is grieving. The Lord is probably in that house grieving with that family. The spirit is grieving. So it's us as the people of the Lord, like of God, who have the same spirit, like we need to go and be there, be present. So that sent us on a journey for years. Um, we would um, get our kids in strollers and we would meet on the corner of 31st and Prospect. 
at Harvest Bank. And once a month we would walk and we would pray. And we did that for years. And we met people, we met people, you know, persons of peace, Mr. Blankenship, who ran the beauty supply store there. All of our kids had to pee. So we went in there one morning and met him. <clears throat> but we formed such an amazing relationship with Mr. Blankenship that he would invite us to begin our prayer walks at his store. So we would gather in front of his store. He'd come out and we would pray. And whoever was in his store would come out. So we, again, engaged in community. Uh, another example of that was we had a number of homicides um, at the gas station down the street from our house on 27th and Indiana. So <clears throat> Stephanie and I, and Stephanie again, Stephanie is way more in tune um, to the spirit than I am. <laughs> so um, she's like, I mean, because the Lord spoke to her. So we went to the bus stop on that corner and we would set the bus stop every week and we would pray and we'd invite people to pray with us. Anyone who's waiting at the bus stop would pray with us. And what was beautiful, some of the staff from Aim for Peace, the anti-violence um, initiative through the health department, they joined us and would pray. Um, so again, prayer is not just individual, it's collectively, it's in your spiritual family, but it's also those points of pain. Like where do we see injustice? Where do we see brokenness? Where do we see, where, where is there a need for the kingdom to break in? Um, we go to that place we gather and we pray so that's what it's looked like for us yeah so it sounds like it's less about teaching about specific tools necessarily which tools are helpful you know yeah. kids need walkers all, when they learn yeah, how to walk all practice this is all practice so prayer it's like and even our kids so our kids are like prayer for our kids means something it's more than us praying over our meal mm -hmm. if we do that we thank god for for God's provision, but our kids also know because they're environments where they hear the gunshots, they hear the sirens, they know what's going on, right? They see the, the dope houses and the meth houses in the community. They see um, the, the, the conditions that people are living in where people who aren't from the community will come in. I had someone ask me once, do people live in these homes? And I'm like, yeah, that's such and such's house. That's where they stay. But they're landlords, they're slumlords. Mm. So, so as, as we pray a walk, you know, we go out and there's an apartment building that's falling apart and a friend of ours will take a picture of it and send it to the city, like, and, and, and file, you know, a complaint with the city. So our people, you know, we put, um, as people say, we pray with our feet, <laughs> you know, so there's those prayers where, um, you know, around the table, prayer in home, but then also how do we be a presence in our neighborhood? Um, and we walk, we pray, um, and even at bus stops recently, Stephanie and I were walking the neighborhood um, trying to be more active, be more healthy. And as we were walking the neighborhood, because prayer, two, prayer. Two birds <laughs> with one stone. <laughs> Physical health and spiritual health. Those yeah, yeah. We're walking and we run into someone we hadn't seen in a while at the bus stop. And as soon as we see her, she just starts crying because she knows who we are. Like we're the God people. So she sees us. She starts crying. She's like, I just want you to know every time I'm with you, you make me feel better. She's like, I'm gonna, I know I need to come and be a part of the church. She says, I'm just going through so much right now. She just cry, she's crying before we, all right, well, let's just pray. And we're at the bus stop, people are waiting for the bus, they're trying to get to work, and people are overhearing us pray and call out to the Lord for this individual. So prayer is um an essential practice mm -hmm. for us. And we yeah. can always grow in it, we can always grow, you know. 
uh, but we're trying to make this up infuse this into our dna well let's let's hit on that so like when you're you mean you were praying out loud over this woman in that moment or when you're walking you're praying out loud no th- we've done both so we've done the praying out loud as we walk and we also were praying with her at the bus stop um, so as we're walking with people, as, as Stephanie and I are walking, or if I'm walking by myself or, or if she's walking by herself, Stephanie is walking our dog through the neighborhood. We come across someone that we know. They're going through something. So in that moment, you know, so even an example of that is the person we pay to mow our lawn, a lady that we know, um, she started a lawn care business. And I remember once she was, um, she was applying for a grant. She's trying to get a grant to get some equipment. She's like, hey, I'm getting this equipment. I don't know if I'm going to get it, but I need it. Well, hey, let's just pray right now. So on our front porch, we're doing, we get, we're just laying hands on her and we're praying. Um, you know, there's many stories of us laying hands on folks and praying for them in the neighborhood or on front porches, um, wherever, bus stops, grocery stores, you know, whatever the case may be. All right, so... Let me hit you with this. I'm just like taking notes while you're speaking. I wrote, prayer is the work for spiritual families. And then I wrote, this kind of drew an arrow, like why? why? Like how do we, like what, what are we speaking to people? Prayer is the work for spiritual families because based on what you said, so we can go where God is. So you can just see your community. Like, actually physically get eyes on it not but also it may open your eyes up to new things and then to model how to just be with Jesus like I'm thinking about your kids and even your spiritual kids who are like yeah I went to church with my grandmama but I don't know how to pray but then when I walk with you Mm -hmm. I'm actually learning how to do it yeah yeah anything else that's like Man, this is why we started with this one. This is why we put the P out there for people because mm-hmm. when we think about spiritual families, prayer. Yeah. Like, what other thoughts? Yeah, I mean, and also this is how we tap in. You know, this is this is the power. This is um this is it. Like we when we're when we're connected, or even just what I feel like the Lord gave me with this stream, like every time we pray, we return back. We're getting back to the stream, cut through all the noise, all this through the stuff, all the good works. It's all good. But Lord, we need you in this moment. This person needs you in this moment. This community needs you in this moment. I need you in this moment. You know, give us the eyes to see, give us the ears to hear. Give me your heart for these people right now. It really is us also trying to discern the will of God as well. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about prayer is that we start to, you know, we change like it's no longer, I mean, we saw Jesus model this even before the cross, not my will, but your will be done. Hmm. So, yeah, I think there's an ongoing invitation to tap in um, when we, pray and some i mean some there are times when we've done prayer was we've literally nailed like we've walked through our neighborhood and we've taken a knee through the neighborhood and prayed 
um, because of injustice or whatever. Like, so we literally, I mean, it's something about our prayers and our bodies being in agreement, you know, yeah. um, in these specific places in our neighborhood. <clears throat> and, and again, we bring our children with us. So they see, they witness, they witness us through these things. And then the rest of the community is able to witness this body of believers that walks the neighborhood praying. So now as spiritual families, now we encourage them, do the same. Walk your neighborhood, pray. I, I literally just wrote, man, prayer. It sounds like prayer leads to and sustains spiritual family. Yes. Can I be, I don't know how to say this. Um, I'm trying to think of the person that is listening and it's like, man, I'm, I'm so tired of hearing that. I'm just, I'm just going to say it out loud. I's so tired of hearing that. Yeah. Prayers the work, go pray. I've been praying. Nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. I've been praying. I'm tired of praying and I want breakthrough. I, I don't know. Yeah. It sounds terrible to say out loud. So I'm just trying to help somebody else who might be going like, I don't want to say this out loud, but, but I'm also hearing you speak about this. And it's like, I'm making all the hard faces like, Oh gosh, that's so hard. The stuff you're saying. Mm. And still it's like, no oh, man, we just keep going back to prayer. It's not a trite saying to us. Yeah. That's yeah. not cliche. Absolutely. And so what what we're seeing now is the fruit of, I mean, 10 years. So it's not like we prayed a couple of times and then we saw things happen. So when Stephanie and I moved to our neighborhood, she and I would put our she, our daughter is now eight. She'll be nine in a few months. We will put her as a baby in the stroller and walk and pray. Um, after a few years, we added a few other families. You know, so so prayer um, also what sustains you when you feel that way. That person who's like, come on, really? Prayer? I'm like, yeah, like I felt that too. Like, okay. But prayer is like, again it's tapping in <laughs> it's like okay lord i don't want to do this i don't you know but even that like that's the prayer as well like just being honest before the lord like i don't want to do this i don't want to like why why does prayer have to like why do we have to you know but i think if you could redirect that to the lord but like, lord i'm not we're not seeing no fruit in this we've been laboring for years been doing this for years um and i think at that point you ask questions like is this the calling is this what the lord actually asked us to do or is this something that i actually wanted to do you know um i think those those are there's some real other there's other questions to ask of ourselves but i think if the lord has called you to something um you know you may not see the fruit you know in our, what we talk about in new communities we talk about having a hundred year vision what we do right now Come on. isn't for us. It's not for us. So, so one when we pray a walk, we don't. What we say is the fruit of what we're doing is going to show up for our grandkids. Mm. It's not us. So, when you look at Jeremiah twenty, like 
you look at Jeremiah, and the Lord told those in exile, like, you care for this city. Like, your well-being is tied up. It's woven into the well-being of, of, of this city. But then he goes on and says, you're not even going to be free. It's going to be a whole generation before you all get freed. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, God, this is going to sound really hard, but God isn't interested in our timelines. Mm. God isn't interested in that. Like God is, and sometimes that waiting, like God is doing a work in us. Yeah. That waiting, that laboring, that prayer. And so it's like, yeah, like, trust me, there have been many times where we try and like, we're praying, we're out in the streets. And then we, then we are like, let's gather folks now. And it's just you and your wife sitting there. <laughs> like okay is anyone coming oh you know or or like hey let's cook out and you go out there and like no one shows up mm. like, but we've been praying we've been like i've got plenty of stories like that yeah you know plenty of stories yeah um, or even when you're like okay there was breakthrough in this person's life i'm going through that right now with a, with a guy breakthrough in his life came home from prison baptized him where's he now he's in the county jail Mm. you know yeah. so so he called me a couple of nights ago like where you at I'm like oh, i'm in jail like, oh okay I'm missing for three months i like, trying to figure out where you've been <laughs> you yeah know? yeah so um so yeah like all of that is real but what keeps us connected grounded even sane in this work mm. it's the prayer and, it, and i think prayer reminds us of whose this is yeah Whose work this is? Who owns this? You know, um, I, you know, reminds of who's who's the main characters in this story. We're, we're not the main characters. We just we just have to play a part. So good, man. So good. Um, we'll hit pause here. We'll stop our episode. You got the overview. You got this input on on prayer being the work and the beginning of everything. It's what begins spiritual families. It's what sustains spiritual families. So we're going to hit pause, let you think about that. Um, let me throw the question out there to you again. So Daryl said with each of these, there's a question. The first one's prayer. What is God saying to you? So if you have time, wherever you are, before you move on to the next part of your day, or maybe you're like burning through episodes right now and you're like, all right, I'm going to jump into the next one because it's these have all been released or something. Just hit pause and just listen for a, a bit and make that a rhythm. What is God saying to you? And uh, for those of you that are listening in real time, uh, we'll see you next week as we talk about purpose. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. 
You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.